So we're going to talk um, from God's wisdom, God's word this morning, and we're going to look about how that applies to us as a group and also how that applies to us individually. And um, I'm conscious there's a lot of new faces to me, which is brilliant, um, but we should always be seeing new and fresh faces coming through. And so it's a great opportunity for you to hear um, what we believe God's wisdom is concerning the local church. But also if you've been here since day one, and maybe you planted out and from Family Church haven't, it's always a good uh, reminder for us to know this is what God's Word says about the Church of Jesus Christ. Um, because to me, the global pandemic was a great marker as to whether we actually understand what the Church is and whether we're walking in agreement with what the Bible says Church is, as opposed to what our own opinions uh, may be. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. Because even when you talk about the word Church, Maybe you're fairly new to church. Even that word conjures up different thoughts, right? If we were to go into Asda right now as people were doing their Sunday morning shopping and we were to ask them the question, what does the word church mean to you? You'd get all sorts of answers, wouldn't you? I mean, some of them would be clean and would be repeatable in this room. Some wouldn't be. Um, you'd, you'd have people talking about dog collars and stained glass windows and um, you'd have people talking about a place for some of them that were dragged to a, as a child and made to go to Sunday school, others would have more fond memories of it. Many people would talk about a building. So often when people use that word church, what they mean is a physical building, don't they? They talk about, um, I'll meet you by the church. You know that road with a church on the corner? That's how we use the word church. So often it's linked to a building or a place or an event. And so the, ch the world in general has a view of what they mean when they say the word church. But so do Christians. Christians so often have this view of church that actually doesn't necessarily line up with the Word of God. They talk about church as, I'm going to church, that, that event that takes place on a Sunday morning, that service once a week or whenever it might be um, that we go to, um, this thought of attending a church service. And that's why many people who view it that way were rocked by the pandemic, because in their mind, the church had stopped. The church had closed down for for 12 months. Let, let me tell you that the Church of Jesus Christ during the pandemic did not shut down because you cannot shut down what Jesus is building. Okay, so you cannot shut it down. You cannot. What they meant was the physical gathering of God's people wasn't happening for a season. Because as we often preach in Family Church, church is not a service. It's not an event. It's not a building. That's why you can meet anywhere. Hello? Um, you can meet anywhere that you want to because the church, as we know, is the people. And so we're going to look at that this morning. The, according to God's wisdom, according to God's word, it's a called out people. It's the truth that for those who have placed their faith in Jesus, we've been taken out of the dominion of darkness, the Bible talks, which the world is operating, and brought into the kingdom of God. So in other words, if you have faith in Jesus today, you are the church, okay? It's not an event that you go to, it's not a service, you are the Church of Jesus Christ. And I know that for some of you, if you've been following Jesus for X amount of years, this is something you've heard millions of times before, but it's so important that we come back to the truth of what church really is all about. Otherwise, our approach to being the church and being a part of the church is completely skewed. So when you look at God's Word, there's so many things that the church is referred as, and that would be a whole study in itself. The Bible says that the church is the bride of Christ. 
the body of Christ, the light of the world. Some of you will, will pick up on these things that you've read in the Bible before. And the Bible says that you and I are those things. We are the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ that Jesus is coming back for. We are the light of the world. And then this is the one that I want us to focus in on today. The Bible also says that the church is God's family. Let's look at some verses on that. Ephesians 1 verse 5. I just want to lay the platform and then we're going to look at how this practically applies to us. Ephesians 1 verse 5 says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. So it actually pleases God that you are a part of the church. It pleases God that he has adopted you as his own. God's family is the church. Ephesians 2.19 So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. 1 Timothy 3 verse 15 in God's Word translation says, I want you to know how people who are members of God's family must live. God's family is the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of truth. So if you've placed your faith in Jesus, and the vast majority of you in this room may or uh, probably have, you have become part of the family of God, and you are the church. Okay, that's why when people say, I've left the church, it doesn't make sense because you can't leave yourself. You are, as an individual and as a corporate, you and we are the church. What people mean is, I'm no longer attending that service or that event or that venue or whatever they mean by that. But all of the people who have placed their faith in Jesus are part of the church. So Family Church Waterlooville, what is it? It's not an organisation. It's not an event. Family Church Waterlooville is the family of God. It's a spiritual family. Not just because that's in our name, Family Church, but because that's what the Bible says that we are. Now if you're fairly new to us, what we don't mean is that we are a cult, okay? Let me just clarify that very clearly this morning. If you leave family church, do you know what? We bless you on your way. We don't bug your car. We don't turn up at your house. We don't get your family to stop talking. Just in case, you know, you're listening to me like, oh, this sounds a bit cult. We're not a cult, okay? You can leave and we'll just bless you on your way. Um, although Chris and Sandy would like you to come back. But the reality is there's a difference. But we understand we are not an event. We're not a service. We are a family, God's family, according to the word of God. So let's look at this family this morning. What does God's word, what does God's wisdom tell us about this family, which is both global, we understand we're part of a global church, there's 2.3 billion people who consider them to be a part, themselves to be part of the church, but it's also local, here in Family Church, Waterlooville. Now the first thing we learn from God's word, and this will encourage some of you, I hope, is that this perfect... Is an, this family, sorry, is an imperfect family. This family, both globally, and we know that, we see that, but also locally here in Family Church, Waterlooville, this family is an imperfect family. And I want to say that because otherwise we will constantly, if you journey with Jesus, you will constantly go from church to church to church, getting offended at every single church community that you're a part of. If you don't realise that this community is an imperfect family. Family Church Waterlooville is imperfect. Why? Because you're part of it. <laughs> family Church in general is imperfect because I'm part of it. And, and ask my wife, I am not perfect. I am imperfect. And so you and I are an imperfect 
people, and this is an imperfect church because we're in it, the only person who's perfect is Jesus. That's why we worship him and him alone and no one else. You see, I want to I say this because sometimes I talk to people, they come in a family church, haven't, we start talking, and we suddenly discover that we are like church number 74 on their church CV. And they've just gone through every single, almost like they're going through the alphabet of church communities that they can be a part of. Now, don't get me wrong, there are good reasons why people move churches, okay? I want to be clear on that, that sometimes um, people move geographically. We live in a very global world now, don't we? The the world shrunk. And so people are constantly moving, uh, maybe because of work or maybe because of relocating towards family. Other times people move church because there is a season that's ended and God's calling them into a new season. God's calling them into a new thing and and people identify with that and God's in it. So there are reasons, but other times, the reason we're we're church number 74 on their list is because they've got offended every other church community and they're under this illusion that this perfect church community still exists out there somewhere. Let, Let me just clarify, it doesn't. There is no perfect church. Even the early church... And I want to say that because sometimes, you know, if you, if you read through the book of Acts, we idolise the early church. Now, don't get me wrong, I, I want to see God work in the way that he was then. I want to see the signs and wonders and miracles more so today as they were seen then. But let's not kid ourselves that they were perfect. Read your Bible. When Paul writes to the church in Corinth, in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, we, we think, oh, it was the early church. Jesus had just been there. This is like magical. And we, we look at them like they've got stardust quality. If you read through the book of Corinth, okay, this is what was going on in this local church. They were fighting over which leader was best. There was incest going on. There was prostitution going on in the church. There were lawsuits going on. There was idolatry. There was chaos in their worship services. I mean, they couldn't even take communion properly. They were getting drunk whilst taking communion. And, and we look, and sometimes we idolise this early church and say they were perfect. They weren't. Now again, don't get me wrong, we shouldn't be getting drunk during communion, let me just clarify that. Don't get me wrong as well, that the Bible says we're called to be more and more Christ-like. So we shouldn't be remaining as converts, we should be becoming disciples, we should be journeying with God, we should be going from strength to strength, we don't just accept where we're at, but we understand that we're an imperfect people. Paul writes to these early churches, and he, he writes things like this, to the church in Ephesus, He writes this, Ephesians 4, 2-3. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Colossians 3, verse 14-15. Again, he's writing to another church community. He says, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. So against the backdrop of an imperfect church community, God's wisdom is this, for us to be humble, for us to be gentle, for us to be patient with one another, loving, thankful, united, forgiving, making allowances for each other. Let let me challenge you as I challenge myself in this as well. Are we those kind of people? Are those the kind of characteristics that we are displaying when it comes to the church community? Because if it's not, then maybe we need to take some of God's wisdom on board today. So the church is not perfect. 
But let me tell you, it is beautiful. It is what God is using on this earth. It is the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. It's what my wife, Kirsty, and I are giving our lives to being a part of and seeing God use our giftings as he builds the church. Amen. So, what else does the Bible say about this family? This family gathers to worship, to pray, to receive, and to be equipped. Now, part of our call as God's family is to worship together, is to pray together, is to be equipped, to glorify God, to to gather together. The church isn't a gathering, it's people. We've just covered that. But we've got to understand that the people are called together. Okay, so we we sometimes say, well, the church is not uh, the gathering, it's the people. Yeah, absolutely, I agree with you. But the church and the people are called together. Hebrews 10, 25 And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Do you know, there's power when the church gather together in worship. There's encouragement that we get when we come together as God's people. There's something that you receive when you're part of a church family gathering together. And the writer of Hebrews says, don't neglect it. Don't put it second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh place on your list of things to do when the church is gathering. Don't wake up and think, oh, it's raining outside. I'll just roll over on my duvet. It's nice and warm. But prioritise the gathering together of God's people because you will gain something from it. Oh, you know, I've had a busy week. I've got to hoover the lounge. It's all right. God doesn't mind if there's an untidy lounge. You can do that later on. Prioritise the gathering together of the family of God. Now, when the church gather, be it on Sunday, be it smaller connect group setting, be it, um, you know, when friends are meeting, because again, we're still the church, be it online if for whatever reason people can't access a physical gathering, the Bible shows us it's a time of, of celebration. That's why it should be a joyous time when the family of God come together. Sometimes I go to church and I'm like, seriously, there's more joy in Asda than, not, I'm not talking about you guys, but just using that example, there's more joy down the road than there is in here. There's more joy in the pub than there is in that church community. It should be a place of joy, of celebration, of worship, of fellowship, of being together. But it's also a place of equipping. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastors and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. So one of the reasons that we gather, if you were to say, well, why do we even bother gathering? If we're the church in the workplace, if we're the church, why do we bother to gather? Firstly, because there's power in it, iron sharpens iron. But secondly, because we're called to gather to be equipped. Because you are still the church when you go to work on a Wednesday, when you're wherever you are on a Thursday. And so when we gather together, we're equipped to go and be the church, whatever the day is, whatever we're doing. Now again, that messes with the mindset of some who view church to be this little holy huddle. You know, sometimes you talk to people about church and they say, "Well, well, when we get together as church, we're safe. And we're just holding the fort till Jesus comes again. And so we're just, we're just going to be this little holy huddle who encourage one another. Now listen, when we gather, we're equipped to go out and make a difference. We're equipped to go and bring the kingdom of God to the areas that he's called us to. So we receive from this family. This family helps us grow in our walk 
with Jesus. It helps us to, to live a bigger life. These are all things that I've experienced as I've journeyed as part of a church community. Um, it enables us to use our giftings for God's glory. So I want you to see we receive from being a part of a church. But we've also got to recognise that this is a family where we can contribute. The, the church of Jesus Christ should be something that we receive from, but it's also something that we can contribute to. The Bible says that we're all members of the body of Christ. We all have a function. We all have a part to play. Not because we have to, but because we choose to and we get to be a part of what God is doing in this family and we have a revelation of what this family is. Okay, so what are some of the ways we can contribute? We can contribute by serving. Now again, we term it things like being on a team, helping out, giving a hand, whatever it might be. But actually, it's a biblical thing to serve. Truth is, in today's world, serving carries a very negative context because we're all so me-orientated. What is it that you can do for me? How can you serve me rather than how can I serve you? But Jesus gave us the example in the way that he walked when he was on the surf of what it is to be a servant. Philippians 2, verse 5 to 8, says this, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by being, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now the good news is we don't have to die on a cross. Jesus has already done it for us. But Jesus was the epitome of what it was to be servant-hearted, of what it was not to see what he could get from others, but how he could serve other people. And we have the privilege to serve in the family of God. Now, that's not one size fits all. It's, we're all at different stages and ages and um, areas in life. But I do believe that there's an opportunity that we have a privilege to serve a family of God, not to view it as a chore, but to see it as a privilege that God has given to us. We get to serve the kingdom of God and give our best to the family of God. You know, sometimes I talk with people and they're incredibly skilled in this or in that. And they do it in the workplace or they do it in their life, but they won't do it in the house of God. My challenge lovingly to them each time is, why would you give the best that you have to the secular world and give the leftovers of who you are to the family of God? We've got to be people who seek first the kingdom of God, believing that he will add all these other things unto our life. So I want to encourage you, practically, maybe there's an area of this church family this church community that God has called us to be in Family Church Waterlooville that you can get involved with. It may be really practical. Now, sometimes you say that and somebody comes up to you at the end and says, oh yes, I'd like to help out. And I go, oh brilliant, what, what, what are you thinking? Well, maybe I could preach next Sunday. Okay, um, well, well maybe eventually, who knows what could happen, but maybe we can all just serve. And I say that as somebody who's, before I came here, was in heaven, setting up, sorting out toilets and stuff. So don't think that I'm up here saying, well, I'm up here, everyone else is down there, okay? I serve, I get my hands mucky. We all have the honour of being a part of a family of God. We can all serve in one way or another. So maybe you can say, do you know what, I'll help out. Maybe you, you can't on a Sunday morning because you rush here 
from wherever you are or whatever. There's the film nights, which are just brilliant. I love seeing what God is doing through uh, the film nights, hoping to get along to one, you've got another one in January. Um, because I love seeing the, the pictures on Facebook and how it's growing. And, but just more than size and more than number, is how the family of God are serving the community. Even if it was five people, serving the community and just loving on the community. So maybe you can help out with that. Get involved in one way or another. Now, another way that we can contribute, and even as I go to say this, sometimes like, is with our finance. We can contribute with our finance. Now, again, God's word speaks on this. Time doesn't allow us to go into all of the verses, but the Bible talks about returning the tithe. Now, why do I say returning? Because we've got to understand, this is what Kirsty and I have a revelation of, that everything that we have comes from God. Everything. Now you can say, well, I worked hard. Okay, well, who gave you the breath to get up in the morning to work hard? Everything that we have, first and foremost, comes from the hand of God. And we have an opportunity to return some of it out of honour and out of serving the family of God into the storehouse, into the family. So the Bible talks about returning the tithe. For Kirsty and I, we have for many, many years, everything that comes into our life, 10% of it goes into the family of God. It's an Old Testament principle, and just sometimes we go, oh, it's Old Testament, but it flows into the New Testament. People say, oh, it's the law, it was within the, the law. No, 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 it was established before the law. There's so much that you can look at this, and we've got to understand that no one is ever, okay, let me clarify, no one is ever, ever obligated to give. You're not kicked out, again, if, you, if people don't give, I don't know what people give, you're not kicked out if you don't give, that's not what I'm saying. But neither are we a church that shies away from speaking God's truth, that shies away from teaching the full counsel of God when it comes. Because when we do, we rob people of a blessing that they can receive. So, not only do you end up contributing to the family of God, but the Bible says that you receive an incredible blessing upon your life. And and we could be here, people could share... I could be here all day sharing testimonies of what God has done in mine and Kirsty's life, where, just give you one example, that once we were, we were tithing, and it was when we had Gracie, our first child, and we continued to tithe, and then there was a, a building offering at the time, this is 2009, and, and God had called us, we'd, we'd been good planners, and we'd set aside some finance and said, okay, well that will cover all the time that Kirsty's going to be off on maternity leave. And so we'd budgeted, we'd done what we called us to do. And then as we were praying, we felt God say to put all of that that we'd put aside into what God was doing. And you know it's God because first and foremost you hear it and then you go, no, that wasn't God, that wasn't God. And you try and convince yourself that it wasn't. And so we gave into it and you know, we stood on the, on the promise that God gives seed to the sower and bread to eat. And we were just thanking God for what he was going to do. And it's amazing that you can be full of faith for something in the first month. And in the second month, you're still a little bit full of faith. By the time we got to month nine, and we were in a position where we said, okay, you're going to have to go back to to work, Kirsty, and it's not as we wanted it to be. We thought God was going to... But we said, no, we're going to still keep believing. And I don't know how much, I'll be honest with you, how much faith was involved in that, but we just, no, God, we're going to keep believing what you have said. Long story short, Kirsty rings me one day and she said, an envelope just come through from work, landed on the doormat. And I've been chosen specifically, one person has been chosen in the whole department for a staff bonus for that year, 
but covered every single thing that we'd put aside. So being the great man of faith that I am, I said, well, just ring them up and make sure it's not an admin error because you haven't worked for this whole entire year. And so she's like, oh, great, the man of faith. I'm just, just being honest with you, just so that you don't think that, you know, everyone up here has got it all together. And so she rings up and says, um, I just wanted to check. And she's like, my husband, wanted, I just wanted to check because actually I haven't worked a single minute this year. I've been off from it, so why am I getting this staff bonus when I haven't been actually working? And they said, we've chosen you based on previous years and all that you've done, and it doesn't matter that you haven't worked. They, they gave her that staff bonus out of a whole... And, and I could be here all day saying, story. why is it that I believe in the blessing of God? Because when we enter into a tithing, we enter into a covenant agreement with God. But as we do our part, God will do his part. Now, I know sometimes when we talk about finances, people get funny in church because we can be a funny group of people. We think, you know, we know that it takes money to run a car or to pay rent or um, to buy groceries, and yet we think the church runs on jelly beans. Seriously, I think sometimes we're like, how can the two add up? So when we talk about money in church, sometimes people get awkward. You talk about God's for you, God's love you. Amen, preach it. God wants you to experience his peace. Amen. We're going to talk about how God gives us an opportunity to sow into his kingdom. A way to clear a room and, and, and to kill the atmosphere in one single moment. And so it gets awkward, but not at family church. We don't make it an awkward environment because, again, no one is obligated to give, but we want to teach the full counsel of God. And we want to be a church that not only cheer what God is doing, not only pray for prayers, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, but actually that we also truly take ownership of the vehicle that he's using. Now, classic verse, always worth pointing back to, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7, Paul writes this to the church community when they're talking about taking up a special offering, and he says this, you must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Now, let me just clarify, God still loves you, if you give with a grumpy heart. God still loves you if you don't give anything at all. Okay, this isn't about how much God loves you. His love is not dependent on what you do. It's based on who he is. But what it's saying is he loves the attitude of somebody who understands what it is to give. So Paul says, don't give begrudgingly, reluctantly, under compulsion. That's our heart of family church. We will never, and let me know if this ever happens with this too, and I'll check up on it. We will never put up like pictures of, of... terrible situations and make you cry and put sad music under it and say would you give to the house of God we'll never do that because it's not an emotional thing it's a biblical thing that we understand okay so I'll move on from that so that those anyone who feels awkward can feel less awkward now let me encourage you if you don't yet give to the house of God look at how you can contribute if you don't yet um, if you've been walking with God for a while and you haven't yet started to tithe I encourage you. God says, test me in this. Test me in this. If you bring the tithe into the storehouse, okay? So not uh, to ministries and charities all over the world, into the storehouse, into the family where you are fed. Final thought, how else can we contribute to this family? By caring for one another. But just as natural families function best when there's a caring for one another, so it is with a church community. What does it look like? It looks like this. Let me, let me read this passage. Philippians 2, verse 2 to 4. Make me truly happy. Again, understanding this is Paul writing a letter to the church. 
Make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You know, the church functions best when we look out for one another. When it looks, it looks as practical as this, when you realise that actually so-and-so hasn't been a part of a church gathering for a little while, and you reach out to them. Somebody doesn't seem their normal self. I'm just going to check in on how they're doing. And we don't think, oh, somebody else would do it. Or we don't think, oh, pastors Chris and Sandy would do it, because that's their role, and we're just here just to eat hot cross buns. We, we all take ownership of checking in with one another and doing this journey together. We care for one another. So I want to throw out a question. Are you merely receiving from this church community, and I hope that you are receiving from this church community, or are you also contributing to the spiritual family in one way or another? This family, which is an imperfect family, is a family which gathers to worship, to pray, to receive, to be equipped. It's a family we don't just receive from, but also contribute to. And finally, it's a family where we journey together. We journey together. Now, I don't know for many of you where you're at, when for some of you it may even be your first week, I don't know where you're at with the journey of Family Church Waterlooville, but I want to encourage you in this, to really transition from seeing this as an event that you come to or a service you come to once a week, to transition to seeing this as a family that you're a part of. Again, not in a weird, kooky way. We're not going to be in each other's pockets, you know, knocking on each other's door 24-7. But a spiritual family that God is using in this area of Waterlooville. I want to challenge you to go and transition from I attend that service on a Sunday morning to actually viewing yourself as part of a family of God. You know, when we look back over, Kirsty and I, the 12 years of Family Church haven't, there's been some incredible services where God's moved in power, people's lives have been touched, miracles and healings. There's been some great events that we've done in, in Haven Park with Family Fun Day and different events, community events that we've done. There's been great moments as an organisation when we brought the building and transformed the building, all that kind of stuff. But my greatest joy is in the people and seeing the family transform, and seeing people come in, and I, I won't go through now, but there's people I can name who have come in completely addicted and been set free. There's people who've come in, their marriages were broken, and God's healed their marriage. There's so many accounts and stories and individuals whose lives have been... That's far more important to me than how good was that worship song. That's far more important to me than, oh, we got a building. It's only a vehicle that God can use. It's just a building. It's just bricks and mortar. It's what happens within the people who are in the building that truly matters. And so as we've journeyed, we've seen God grow the family. We've seen God transform the family. That is my greatest joy, and you get to be a part of that, of seeing the family grow, of seeing people discipled, of seeing lives change. Let's bring this in. I want to ask you a few questions, rhetorical ones. How do you view the church? How do you view, think about it for a moment. Is it just a service you attend? Is it an event you go to? Is it a family that you're a part of? Now, for some of you, I want to encourage you, and again, I don't know your stories, but to encourage you to remove some past hurts. 
and to begin to put down some roots. To begin to view yourself as part of his family. Are you building relationships in church? Again, maybe you're fairly new. I want to encourage you to go, go beyond just a Sunday morning and start to connect with different people because those people will help you in your journey. Those people will help you discover more of who God is. And that's not down to two people at the front. They're here to equip you for works of ministry, but we're here to encourage one another. Iron sharpens iron to come alongside each other because as the church grows, they can't be pastoring and looking after and encouraging every single person who comes in. So let's make this something where we're building relationships in church. Are you exercising your faith? You know what? We've all learned if you have a whole load of input and there's no exercise, then things happen. Let's be people who spiritually are part of a body. Join a team, serving kids, exercise your faith. Be praying for one another. And finally, are we believing for this family to get bigger? What does that look like? Praying. Do you know what? When you view yourself as part of the family of God that God is using in this area of Waterlooville, you stop just driving in and going to an event and you start praying for the community. You start praying that people would actually be drawn to, not so that we are bigger and we feel good about ourselves, but so that lives are being changed, lives are being transformed. People who have never heard of the love of God are falling in love with him and actually discovering that, that he has a purpose and a plan for their lives. Are we believing for that? Are we inviting people? And are we looking with faith at what's to come rather than what we have right now? I want to encourage you, love and enjoy the here and now. You know what, so often we can be in a rush to to see God do something and when God does this and when God grows, love the here and now. You know, my, I don't do regrets, but if it was something that I'd use another word for regret, um, well, one thing I would do more of in the journey of what we're doing is having stopped and enjoyed the moments that we were in rather than being besotted with where we were headed. So I want to encourage you, enjoy the season, but be ready for what God's going to do.